You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the latest episode of At Home, the podcast. We're glad that you joined us today. Sitting in the room, Angie Brenneman, our family ministry pastor, Brant Nine, our executive leader. I'm Chris Knight, the senior pastor. We have a guest with us today, Earl Smith. Earl's been a longtime friend of mine, and uh, I have appreciated this guy a lot over the years. And uh, he was in town to share with us. Actually, to be, truth be known, he attends our church. Yes. Uh, so for two and a half years, Earl and his family have been a part of our church here, and we love it. Uh, but he spoke this Sunday, and I want to get into that in just a little bit, uh, a few minutes here. But Earl, tell us just a little bit about the ministry that you are currently involved in. Yeah, so I'm involved with a ministry called Groundwire. Uh, we go by several different names. Groundwire is the actual name of the ministry. Uh, some people know us as JesusCares.com. Uh, so what we do is we leverage social media to invite people whose lives are hurting into a one-on-one chat with a coach. So in that one-on-one instant message style chat, uh, our coaches, uh, of course, want to listen and hear what was the the need or the pain that brought them into that conversation. Uh, but ultimately, our goal is to share with every chatter the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that um, when you talk about hurt and hopelessness and pain, the first the first step towards healing is always a relationship with Jesus Christ, a right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what we do. Um, digital evangelism, we might call it. Uh, God has been incredibly, we've seen God move incredibly. Uh, we're seeing uh, about 1,500 people a day make professions of faith in Jesus Christ uh, through our different campaigns and, and through our, our work uh, on the digital landscape. Now, last year, you set a goal to try to reach a large number of people. Tell us a little bit about that goal. Sure. So um, last year's big goal that we were shooting for was 1 million professions of faith, but it wasn't necessarily just in 2022. That was a culmination of five years of this kind of ministry. And so we hit that in late December, like after Christmas, but before New Year's Eve, uh, we hit that million professions of faith mark Mm -hmm. uh, over the course of five years. It's just incredible. It's incredible. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah. Just to clarify, I want to, for the listener, so this is a digital platform. You speak um, with anybody. Is it 24-7, like 24 hours a day, seven days a week? You engage with those that get onto the internet or in um, any kind of digital format um, that are asking questions of faith. Yeah, that's right. We we do man the chat rooms 24-7. We've got some coaches in Australia, for example, who cover our nighttime hours. We've just got some night (laughs) owls in the U.S. that cover our nighttime hours. (laughs) And we're in multiple countries. We'd like to be in every country across the globe, but, you know, we do digital marketing. And so China won't let us in yet and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It's it's quite an amazing feat. Yeah. So Earl, you were speaking this Sunday at our church and I, and I thought it, I thought you did a fine job, just a fine job, fine meaning excellent, not Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted for, I thought you were going to charge yeah. me a fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did all right. No, I thought you did a really good job. Uh, Earl, talk to us a little bit about the topic that you brought up on Sunday, and then maybe a little of the creative element that you brought into the room. Sure. So, um, I, to be honest, I don't know where the um, the creative element came from, um, but somewhere in my spirit, I had this uh, this this visual or this understanding of Isaiah fifty nine two 
which says your your sins have built a wall between you and God. Uh, when you pray, he can't hear you. Ironically, as I studied, I never found that translation anywhere. So that's what, I'm not sure why it was in my spirit, but I kept coming back to this as I was you know several months out and thinking about this upcoming sermon. So the, the sermon really was about sin and the problem that it creates in the lives of believers. Um, I was speaking at a church to believers. Isaiah is speaking to the people of God. Obviously, we would say sin impacts everybody's life. Um, but, you know, we're talking specifically to believers. And, and so what what is it that sin does? And why is it such an issue, um, you know, between us and God? Mm-hmm. I even thought Sunday was great because I want to um, push back because I think it sometimes even in the Christian world, it's a non-issue. Mm. We don't talk about it. And sin, so, about yes, sin and yes, yeah. yeah, it's a non-issue. And so I just really think what you just said there is really key to go into this conversation that this isn't, we're not talking about the unbeliever because the unbeliever isn't expected to act like a believer. This is sin in our personal life that takes us out of relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and like I said, Isaiah was talking to the people of God and saying, look, you, you think you're set because you're the people of God. But the reality is that your sin builds a wall between he and you. Yeah. I think your illustration um, spoke to all walks, uh, not all walks of faith, but wherever you're at in your journey with our faith, right? For the unbeliever walking in to understand and grasp this idea of sin blocking us from from God and that the cross is the only thing Mm -hmm. um, that, that can help us make that wall or that can help make that wall go away. Um, and then for the person who is just dealing with sin or doesn't want to deal with their sin, who is a Christian, who identifies as a Christian to see I, this has to come down if I'm going to truly engage with, with Christ. So I thought it was good for all journeys. Yeah. And just so the listener knows, you actually built a wall on stage and had the cross behind it. And in this sermon, you pushed down the wall while you were reading the scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I didn't actually build the wall to to the men yeah. from my Sunday school class did, but <laughs> a seven-foot-tall wooden wall. Yeah. And uh, I preached some of the sermon from behind the wall to further demonstrate what it's like when mm-hmm. there is that wall of sin in our lives. That, that was um, good. Yeah. And then, then when we read the, the passage from Colossians, uh, which talks about the cross taking away our indebtedness. And... Uh, so you don't know this. Uh, we had a, um, a a gentleman in town helping us do a weekend experience, and he was serving as like a guest, uh, secret guest, if you mm-hmm. will, on Sunday. And he specialized in some, some audiovisual stuff. And uh, he sent me a text. He stood behind the wall, and all of a sudden, like the house sound came, got muffled. Mm-hmm. And He's like, oh my, did we lose the feed, you know, to the to the online room? And I'm like, I have no idea. I, I got up and walked out to the control room, tried to make sure our, our online feed and everything was going well. And they said, oh yeah, no, this that was planned as a, as a kind of an illustrative point to talk about that separation. I mean, even our voices are muted to it and, and, and things like yeah, that. Wow. And and so I sent him back a text. Nope, all good. He goes, that is brilliant. <laughs> That was his. That was his. We have a great tech, tech team here. <laughs> he said that was brilliant. Brilliant played. Yeah. Hey, let's jump into this yes. a little bit. Um, you, so you got into this sermon and you were talking about sin and sin in the Old Testament and uh, some of the language that was used there and how it separates us. Uh, explain. Explain a couple of these words because I thought that really painted a clear picture for us. Yeah. So so what I did is there's three main words for sin that are used in the chat in Isaiah 59. Uh, the Old Testament has a lot more words that it uses for sin, but we just focused in on those three. And so uh, the first, the most basic one is uh, a word that 
means to miss the mark. We talked about a verse in Joshua where it says that the, uh, you know, the warriors, the slingshot artists could um, left-handed sling a stone and not miss a hair. And that's, that's the, the same idea of missing a mark. So we talked about the reality that at its most fundamental understanding, sin is missing the mark of God's perfection. And so that's a reality that it's not just about our behavior and our actions, but it really is just pervasive. Everything, all of creation misses the mark for which God's created it. Yeah. And I read a lot of times we will say that we have imputed righteousness Mm. because Christ did that for us on the cross and we can't gain this. We have imputed sin. We are born sinners. I just read that the other week in Mm. theology and I'm like, you know, sometimes we don't really grasp what that means. And I think that's what you're saying here. We miss the mark. We are born as a sinner. And that's just nothing we can do to change that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Isaiah even says in another place, our righteousness are like filthy rags. Yeah. So there's a sense that we can do light, we can do right and be right. But even that misses the full mark of God's perfection. Right. And I think our society has gotten so easy to say, well, we're all, aren't we all good? Aren't we, you know, okay. And that's not the plan. That's not how it is. So what's the second word you have there? Yeah, so the, the second Hebrew word, um, really, it's often translated iniquity when you read it, um, even in the even in the NIV, um, iniquity seems to hold. But it's the idea that the behavior or, you know, the thoughts have become crooked or bent. Um, and I don't know that the words are meant to be progressive, but you can kind of see the progression from missing the mark of God's perfection to uh, eventually the way I think and talk and act. It just becomes twisted or it's just off. It's not right because I've missed the mark in so much of my life. Mm -hmm. And that number three there? Yeah. So the the third word uh, is the word pasha. It means breaking trust, rebellion. Again, a good illustration from the Old Testament is it's often used to describe when two countries would break treaty with each other. They, uh, you, you know, they 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 don't do what they said they would do. Um, and it, there's some sense in which this, you know, might be again the extension of what happens with the other two kinds of sin. This is a, a willful disobedience, a willful rebellion when I know what I ought to do and I don't do it. Right, right. And in that, that whole idea of we've often looked at this kind of like a marriage with God, it's like an adultery. We're, we're taking and putting our allegiance somewhere else rather than with God or breaking that trust, breaking that covenant with God. Yeah, yeah, that's so uh, let's go a little bit deeper than where you went at the beginning here as you guys were talking about our culture and so on. So what what I see in our culture today is we don't like to talk about the topic of sin, but beyond that, we almost, uh, in my opinion, I, I sense that we almost downplay it to the point, well, God's a God of love. He forgives. He's a forgiving God. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, I just need to say I'm sorry. You, 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 if you have kids, Earl, I know you and I have older kids uh, and, and Angie. Um you ever remember when your kids were really young, Brant maybe, and you say, "Hey, you need to tell your, you need to tell your brother, or your sister, you're sorry." And what is it they do? They're like, "Sorry, sorry, no, okay, yeah, no, okay." <laughs> now you need to act like you mean it, right? <laughs> All right, uh, and so that would be the case. And I think sometimes we do that with God. We don't really, you know, sorry, God. All right, I'm just, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to do harder, work harder at this. But what I think we fail to recognize is that there are times that we lose things in this relationship with God because of our sin. And I think that's a really critical aspect for people to process. Uh, it's not just like God's got a love and he doesn't care about this. There's loss. Talk to us a little bit about some of the losses. Yeah, so I, 
at one point when I was standing behind the wall preaching, I said that sin always leads to death. And I mean, obviously that's true of physical death. We, we have a sense as followers of Christ that when someone dies, that's because all creation dies. Mm. But long before that, sin brings death, right? It brings the death of dreams and relationships. When I choose to not walk in God's way or not try to at least, you know, shoot towards his mark of perfection, I give up things. Um, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Um, and so even though God is a God of love, and certainly the cross does cover all of our rebellion, we are imputed and righteousness is also imparted. The reality is that st- sin still creates, it still wreaks havoc. It's still, uh, you know, we talked about a few of the things that we lose because of sin. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's just a biblical reality. God loves us and would protect us from those. And yet, because he loves us, he allows us to make choices that lead to pain. I, I kind of um, like this idea of a parent because here's the deal is sometimes we actually uh, keep our kids from knowing the whole perspective, Do you know, what mm. the end result's going to be, because we don't, they are too young at that point. It's kind of like you sit back and you're in a room and you're talking with your spouse and you have a really deep conversation. Well, your kids, you're only going to give that surface. And I think sometimes God, this whole idea of what it takes away is so big that there's a mystery in that as well, mm. because it takes away relationships that really that's the opportunity for us to choose mm-hmm the joy of relationships and often our sin gets in the way of choosing that joy. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, I think God loves us enough and he wants that end result to be great, but we have a lot of steps to get to that end result. And sometimes he just takes us one step at a time. And I, I think what Chris is saying is that loss, we don't often know that we've lost something in our sin. Yeah. Um, something we were challenged with over the weekend, uh, we were challenged to read Jude 1, through 23. Um, and this, this relates in, in a number of ways, but I'll, I'll let you guys take it from, from where I go with it. But it says, go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. And that last sentence in that verse, and I can't even tell you what translation this is. In most translations, it says, show mercy with fear, hating even the uh, the garment stained by the flesh. But the way it was worded, be tender with sinners but not soft on sin, has, has wrecked me for a few days because I think that this is such a hard balance in 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 our church, in the big C church, um, um, just trying to find balance in how, how you do this. I think sometimes we, we reverse those. We're soft on the sinner but tender with the sin, and sometimes we just ignore it, and it gets lost, as you guys were alluding to. So. When I when I read that verse, and, and I remember reading that this week in preparation for our weekend event as well, uh, I remember thinking to myself, this is not Westboro Baptist, yeah. uh, where it was like, we're hard on the sinner yeah. and hard on the sin. And I think there's, there's a balance that's struck there mm-hmm. that has to be made. Mm-hmm. Earl, I think this is where you laid it out, and you said that the cross, you know, is where um, we are redeemed and how we are changed. But there is a, I guess, a uh, result of what happens at the cross, and we have a part in that. Mm-hmm. So, can you kind of lay out a little bit of what this next step? We realize that the cross can redeem us and bring us into right relationship with Jesus, but there's a whole nother step after that. Yeah, so it, it's actually pretty interesting. Most people don't realize this would be an old. Testament. Testament message. But at the end of Isaiah 59, 
God speaks through the prophet and says that God has a plan to deal with sin, and he's going to send a redeemer to buy back those who turn from mm-hmm. sin. And so uh, we understand that that ultimately is a prophetic message that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so the idea is that Jesus, as the Redeemer, gave his perfect life, died on the cross to buy back, to to purchase back those who will turn from sin. This isn't a universal message. This isn't everyone's forgiven. God loves everyone. Love wins in the end. No one goes to hell. It's not that. It's those who turn from their sin. And so as we uh, as we talked about what does that mean for us as followers of Christ, we said that there's two ways that God invites us to be part of his sin solution. Uh, and both of those have to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. The first step is confession. So we said confession, um, just at its most basic means to say with, to agree with God what is true about me, my reality, my actions, my behaviors, my word. It's just to say, that's true. I did that thing, or I did not do that thing that I should have done. Um, confession doesn't um, doesn't take away the sin. The cross of Christ takes away the mm-hmm. sin, but confession allows the, cri- the cross to do its work in our heart. And I think you even said, this is like naming it, like, there's, there's lots of steps to naming it. And I think a lot of times we sit here and we're like, well, I confess to, to God. Mm-hmm. Was that sin against someone else? Mm-hmm. Did I confess that sin to that person that I sinned against? Yeah. I, I really appreciate how you come at it from a teacher, uh, an instructional standpoint, because you give us steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure we're going to talk about this later on in the podcast here in a little bit, but just even the application of that sticky note to me relates to that verse I just read where we're gentle with the sinner, but we're not soft on sin. Like you don't even have to write anything. Just come up here and acknowledge that you're a sinner and, and give it to God. Um, I just, I appreciated the steps. I appreciated the application from a learner's perspective, but also from a teacher's perspective of here are some concrete steps that you can actually take as a believer. Yeah, so what Brent is or Brant, excuse me, yep. is referencing there was at the end of the message, we moved that cross that appeared when the wall came down. We moved it down to the center main floor and invited people. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today about a confession you need to make, um, we have these sticky notes. We're just going to invite you to come and stick them to the cross. Mm-hmm. You don't have to write anything on them. This isn't, we're not asking you to tell everybody what your deepest, darker sin is, mm-hmm. um, but just a public acknowledgement that yes, I, I've missed the mark. I've become twisted. Uh, I've, I've intentionally rebelled against God's standards. So as we uh, begin to take a turn here on this podcast, and let's talk a little bit deeper about confession here. Uh, the last point of your message was how God invites us to deal with the sin, that we to, were to confess our sin. Confession. Uh, what do you think the world thinks when they think of confession? Uh, just what, what pops in your mind? How do you think they approach it? Confession. <laughs> oh, I'm did sorry. I stump? Did I stump Angie Brenneman? Well, I wanted been... to be careful how I how I say this. That's... She's measuring her words. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about how I say this, but I really think it's I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's hey, I'll do better. Yeah. I'm sorry, and I'll do better would be the words. I think in um, some faith, it's actually just kind of speaking it to um, someone and just leaving it there, and that's it. I think we also see a tendency in our culture to. Um, say all the reasons we don't have to be sorry for the wrong that we did. I, mm. I was raised that way. I've got this biological thing inside of me. 
Um, I don't, I don't need to say that I was wrong because of this, 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 and this. Yeah. Justification Mm -hmm. Justification. of it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts, Brent? I just like, when I think of confession, I don't think, you know, I don't think of all the different faiths and all that kind of stuff. I think of guilt, like people just feel guilty. And so they don't want to confess a lot of times, or when they do confess, they're just, they're overwhelmed with this guilt. And so some that, that stops people from confessing, but that also, you know, I don't know. It's just a feeling they have. So, so here's my take on it. I, I, sometimes it's this is Chris Knight. All right, this is a this is Chris Knight's counseling session. Oh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> here's what I think. I find myself doing. You know, Lord, as I lay in bed at night, um, boy, I really I could have done that better. Boy, I, I probably actually I probably wronged that person in how I approached it or whatever I had to say. God, forgive me for that, would you? All right, next day is a new thing. There's another process to confession, and that is actually confessing to the person that I actually offended. And that's where I think this breaks down. I think sometimes there's this vertical confession. I'm not sure there's the horizontal confession. Earl, you got into that just a little bit about how to go about confessing. Yeah, so we actually didn't say much about this. Um, the illustration with the wall took a little longer than I'd anticipated. Um, but I, I had planned to spell out kind of some pro tips for confession. And these are more along the lines of, you know, not the Lord, but I, you know, these are things that I've learned um, and taken from other teachings. I can't point to a direct chapter and verse, but the idea was we start first, like, like Chris suggested by confessing our sins to the one we hurt the most. That's our heavenly father. Mm. That's where confession starts. That's what, if we can say it like this, unlocks the power of Christ to bring down that wall between us and God, but it does need to go further. Uh, I guess the next thing I was going to say, I, we didn't get to it Sunday, was that the next step would be to confess to someone with spiritual authority in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's significant. Even before confessing to the person that we've wronged, I think it's important to go to someone with spiritual authority who can uh, help us to examine the situation and figure out what is the best way to confess. Does this need to be confessed to the person? If I'm struggling with mean, angry, hurtful thoughts against Chris, Mm. but that doesn't necessarily come out in my behavior towards him. A confession to Chris about those may actually be more harmful than helpful. And someone in spiritual authority who's not immediately wrapped up in the situation can help me to discern that a little bit better than perhaps I can do on my own in my desire to get rid of my guilt. Yeah. So let's park there for just a second, because in one way that sounds like Catholicism, like I need to schedule an appointment to show up at the at the uh, Catholic mm. Church for mm-hmm. for confession. Yeah. And yet, that's something that the Protestant Church doesn't practice very often, does it? And and I wonder why. And maybe that I don't have an answer. I just have a, a thought on that. I'm not exactly sure the why. I, I wonder if it's skipped because sometimes we think, well, that that's just how they do it. But there's a there's a confession there's a there's a counseling session to that like is this is this something that I need to take further where is this but there's also an accountability factor to that isn't there as we as we look at that I guess when I and you guys correct me if I'm wrong but when I think of it like like Earl was saying you went to the Heavenly Father yourself on behalf of you right where in the Catholic Church and again this is where you can correct me if I'm wrong when they go to the priest they're not just going to the priest, they're going to their heavenly father to intercede for them, right? right. So I think 
that's the difference to me when I'm when I'm hearing you. But I'll let you elaborate. Yeah, there is one medi- one mediator between man and God, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so the confession of the heavenly Father deals with the wall, to use Sunday's metaphor or Isaiah's metaphor. Going to someone in spiritual authority isn't to request forgiveness. It's not to unlock God's forgiveness. It's to say, will you help me as I begin the step of confession, which is really the second step that we talked about on Sunday. Um, So it is different than the Catholic Church. I understand. And yet, oh, I know you do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yet, you know, James says, confess your sins one to another. And it's not for redemption. It's not so they can be, you know, um, forgiven. It's because it's in that person-to-person, life-on-life confession that we can walk in repentance the way that God wants. Right. I, I want to also say this, too, is like as parents, we've worked with our kids. You know, there's something that goes on. A lot of times it takes the parent to help the other child get the concept of what's happening here. Like this person's, you know, asking for forgiveness of this. Do you see how he did you wrong? But do you see that you also have to give him forgiveness? So there's also another tie in this. Mm -hmm. And that's the forgiveness side, because I think we often go to our spouse and we'll just say, hey, I'm sorry. And, you know, a lot of times they'll say, I forgive you sometimes, you know, you got to go to marriage counseling just to admit, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but to walk through a few things. But I do think that's the other side of confessing to one another is offering that forgiveness back Mm -hmm. to the other person because forgiveness is a big deal too. So it's walking together towards the uh, freedom that confession really allows in relationship. And when you get it out there, that's that abundant thing that is not lost, that Jesus um, gives back to us, what we talked about, the things that we don't even know we lose and those healthy relationships aren't lost when we do this healthy ways. I think it's significant to note I mean, you're right. Forgiveness should be part of the equation. And yet for the person person confessing sin, forgiveness isn't required for right. repentance Correct. to happen. Correct. Confession and repentance still needs to happen if the person I've wronged will never forgive me. Mm. Right. I, I, I still have my part to do. Uh, hopefully, ideally, they would do their part and together, you know, we'd bring down another wall. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you on that because a lot of times we think, well, they're never going to hear me out. They're never really going to see, you know, that I'm really honest. But yes, it is required of us. Yeah. Yeah. For clarity for the podcast, define the definition. What's the difference between confessing and repenting? Because I think I'll hear people use them interchangeably and they'll say, well, I repented of my sin um, or I confess my sin. What's the difference between confessing? What do you guys think? Confessing and repenting. So on Sunday, uh, we said that confession is to acknowledge, to admit the truth, to say what God says is true is true. And then repentance is when we begin to move in the other direction. We begin to figure out how do I have different thought patterns? How do I, uh, how do I begin to use my tongue differently? How do I not fall back into that sin? How do I you know, walk in a, in a different direction? So uh, repentance is a change of direction. A change of heart, even not Mm -hmm, just a mm -hmm. physical behavior. I think a lot of times we say, well, you have to do this for repentance. No, it's actually a big heart issue in how we change. To tie it all back into the analogy of parenting. So, you know, we have two boys who are toddlers right now. We have another boy who's one, but the two who are toddlers struggle to get along. (laughs) And I mean, that's just a nice way of putting it. Um, And they often... We often have to say what you were alluding to earlier. You need to tell your brother you're sorry. And so then it's like, oh, sorry. No, you need to tell him you're sorry and mean it. 
I'm sorry, Archer, or I'm sorry, Hutch, whatever it is. But I see that, I see the difference in, in confession and repentance, even in parenting, right? Because the moment Hutch's behaviors start to change without us having to say, hey, you need to say sorry about this, or, and he just starts including his brother or just adapting to his environment to, to show his brother that he loves him, um, that is, that is to me, that's a difference in confession. That is changing your behavior, right? And so it's an analogy. It's not a perfect analogy, but I, I see the relation there. As we wrap up this episode, Earl, I want to give you the last word. I want to ask you to address the, the listener today who might be saying, Man, my life's been caught up in a lot of sin. Uh, I'm listening to this. I'm taking this in. I'm not really uh, confident. I know like why I need to do this or what I need to do. Just any final thoughts on, on the purpose behind this, the strength of, 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 um, of encouragement that we need to do this in our lives. Just any, any thought you have for our listener today who might be caught up in sin. Yeah, I would just go back to what Isaiah said to the people of God. Um, the, the ideal for the follower of Christ is that we would have full access to all of who God is, uh, in the priestly blessing that says, may the Lord turn his face towards you mm-hmm. and give you his peace. And as long as there is unconfessed sin in our lives, we won't have the peace of God because the face of God won't be turned towards us. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you if there's a sin that you're wrapped up in, um, start by confessing that to your Heavenly Father. You could even do that now just through simply saying, you know what, you know what, Holy Spirit, you're right. Um, that That is a struggle for me. And then I'd encourage you to reach out to some kind of spiritual leader in your life, uh, maybe an elder at the church, maybe a Sunday school teacher, a small group leader, and, and just sit down with them. Uh, godly leaders will heed Paul's advice in Galatians 6 to gently restore other believers. Like we said in Jude, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll deal seriously with the sin, but, but generously or, or with, you know, with, with gentleness mm-hmm. with the sinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then help, let them help you map out the, the walk of repentance and what that looks like. Earl, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your our friendship. Uh, you've spoken a lot of truth into my life over the years, and I'm uh, little do many people know listening to this podcast. We spend time in a small group of guys together, other pastors, and uh, you've challenged me uh, a lot in life. And I'm just grateful for the partnership. And I think our people really have found um, a good challenge on in messages like Sunday. So. Thanks for taking time to share with us. Uh, to the listener, we're grateful for you continuing to tune in. And if this if this podcast uh, hit home with you, I encourage you to share it. Uh, take time to send it to somebody who might be uh, in a situation right now where they're struggling with this topic and uh, might find encouragement from it. We're here as a church. We're here for you. Uh, if you're struggling in these areas, we want to know. We want to walk alongside you. Our, 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 our goal at the end of the day is the last word you actually said. We want you to find peace in your mm-hmm. life and be able to walk in that peace that, that the Lord has provided us to walk in. You don't have to carry the weight of the sin. You can set it aside and lay it at the feet of Jesus, and we want to help you with that. Uh, we're grateful for the time that you spent listening to this episode. Uh, our prayer is that the Lord continues to bless you, and we wish you all the grace and peace that he provides. At Home, the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org and clicking on the At Home tab. 
Thanks for listening.